0: This is the Athlete Mindset Podcast hosted by Lisa Bontasumi. And it's all about mental health in sports. This podcast is presented and produced by Sports Epreneur, part of the Source Network. This podcast series is a space for conversations with athletes, coaches, practitioners, and stakeholders in sports. And it's where those individuals share their perspectives, experiences, and thoughts on mental health in sports. I am Eric Kazimov, the founder of Cast Source and the creator of Sports Epreneur. And we're hosting the Athlete Mindset Podcast on this platform as I deeply believe these conversations are essential and deserve to be prioritized. If you would like to be featured on this show or one of our many other shows, or if you're looking to create your own content, please reach out to us. You can find us at sportse.io, or you can connect with me on LinkedIn or Twitter. Lisa Bontasumi is a psychotherapist and mental performance consultant to high-performing athletes at the youth, collegiate, and professional levels. She's the first ever mental health and performance coach for Oakland Roots SC, a men's professional soccer team in the USL. Lisa is the founder and CEO of Ath Mindset, and she's the host of this podcast, Athlete Mindset.
1: Welcome to Athletes Entrepreneurs the Alumni Journey. I'm Rob Finkelstein, founder and CEO of Alumni Direct. We've created a platform to help various alumni, whether it be athletes, whether it be uh, fraternities Ferraris, to network and connect within their affinity groups. Uh, this show, Athletes Entrepreneurs and Alumni Journey, uh, we interview former collegiate, professional athletes, and people related to sports, and talk about that transition out of sports and some of the challenges and, and their successes. And it's all about teaching aspiring athletes that there's life after sports. So we definitely encourage everybody to, to go out and, and listen to it and like it and just ways that we can help athletes. I'm so excited today. We have Lisa Vantas Sumial with us and uh, she's got a great story to share with us. Uh, how you doing today?
2: I'm good, thanks for having me.
1: Uh, you're okay. welcome, man, today. it's a pleasure. So Lisa played soccer growing up and uh, ultimately, uh, unfortunately her uh, career, like a lot of people got derailed by injury. Uh, she went on to uh, University of California at Santa Barbara, and uh, throughout that college career, ultimately uh, went into the uh, the mental health space and just really wanted to make an impact to help uh, everybody. And then over the years got into uh, working in uh, sports psychology, helping different uh, athletes out. And today, it's what I was talking about before i my head spinning you know, and yeah and she laughed when I said it before, but let's say so she she founded the founder and CEO of Ath Mindset. She has a podcast athletes mindset. And now the the golden goose, I guess, of everything. So everybody talked about who's writing a book. She's doing that too. So where do you have the time? That's
2: right. I mean, everybody asks me like, when do you sleep? I'm like, oh, my self-care is really important. My mental health is really important. So I make sure that I'm doing all those things, but but the things I'm doing give me energy. And like I I am able to use my time. More productively and intentionally, when I have things that I'm working on that mean a lot to me, that that are in my purpose and that are meaningful. So that's, that's all I'm part of it's like the whole circular kind of energetic, kind of spiritual kind of exchange. So it, it all feeds me.
1: That's good, and that's I mean that's good advice for people too, to to kind of to to go after that. So I always like to talk about um, growing up playing sports. You know, yeah, through youth sports into high school, ultimately uh, you know college. Talk about how that shaped you as a person.
2: Yeah, for sure. I mean, I, I stumbled upon. I, I guess I don't believe in accidents, but it was kind of not planned that I found soccer. Um, and I think that soccer, for me as a young girl and the environment I grew up in, it was super important to have a safe place to be, a place that um, I could just be myself without any other expectations, a place where. I had built-in sisters and friends and my teammates and built-in mentors and in my coaches who um, did their best to kind of like mold us as human beings as well. It was so fun. Um, I have lifetime friendships from my experience. Um, Got to travel, got to go places I probably wouldn't have had the opportunity to do so without my sport. I learned how to... Become a leader, how to communicate, how to know my role and uplift others in theirs. So there's like so many really cool lessons I've learned. And like as a girl, it means a lot.
1: Yeah, that, that's great. I mean, that's, you hit on a lot of things. It's kind of like the athlete DNA, just that skill set that's built through the sports, you know, the team, the team, camaraderie, camaraderie the leadership, the persistence, all those that go along with it. Uh, now, did you, uh, did you dream of being a professional athlete?
2: I didn't because I don't think it was talked about. I dreamed of being a collegiate athlete. I dreamed of being a collegiate athlete. Okay. Um, so, and that dream came to sort of a very painful halt when I got injured um, in my going into my senior year in high school. Um, and my, you know, my family didn't have the like wherewithal, the resources to. Help me recover physically and mentally. I don't think I, I even knew, they didn't even know that there was a mental recovery to injury that would play a big part and can play a big part in an athlete's kind of life after sports. So I, I went into college without those sisters, without those mentors, without my identity as an athlete. So I felt cut in half. I was only a student and an athlete. Went into college, already a tough transition for anyone. And then cut in half, half myself, not knowing how to... Didn't have the social skills to like build relationships because they're already always built in. Didn't know how to navigate this, this big campus of UC Santa Barbara. Um, didn't know a lot of things. Didn't know how to use my body in a, in a positive way. I always use it as an athlete. I knew how to train it for that and to show up for it. But like now that I don't have that outlet or that way of expressing myself, like how do I eat? How do I exercise? How do I, you know, um, use again my body positively? Um, so There was a lot of things I went through, and like my my mental health took a deep dive during those first two years of college, trying to find myself. Really,
1: yeah, and 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 I I tell you what, I think that's that's the I think the scenario that most athletes face, just depending on what it is. So whether unfortunately for you where it got cut short, or even these athletes, you know, some that get injured in college, some that just play four years, but then it's it after that, and then I guess you know the few that are fortunate to make it professionally, but at some point, you know, they're also uh, you know, getting to that level as well. So um, let, let's fast forward to college. And, and we talk a lot about um, education relating to this. And And I know, you know, this is a big part of your career now, uh, you know, working with athletes and helping them and as they transition out of sports. So um, when you were at school, did you see, um, I guess, education there at the school to kind of help these athletes out and looking at, some of these different areas, whether it be mental health, financial literacy, was was that going on at your school?
2: Well, it's interesting. Um, I didn't play in college, as I just shared, but I I dated a collegiate basketball player for the first two and a half years of my college career, and the way that they supported them seemed lacking. If I look back and reflect on it, like they had study hall, they had this was years ago too. They had study hall. Um they had places they need to be, they were structured, they had meal time, game, game planning, post game, stuff like that. But nowadays they have like a dedicated tutor or dedicated um student academic coordinator. They didn't have that then. And <laughs> this is kind of a side note, truth be told, I helped him a lot with his academic. Um, and I'm the girlfriend. Like, so that that's I think things have grown, and now that I do my work as a professional, a licensed mental health professional in collegiate sports across different colleges and universities, there's many, many more um, resources now, and the mental health resources are growing and becoming more and more important and valued, which will then also help the student athlete, you know, have success in the classroom and academically too,
1: so. Right, and, and yeah, that that's critical, and I think, um, yeah, like, like we said, I mean, it's things are changing now, which is great. And I think, um, you know, we're trying to make an impact. We've talked about it offline, just trying to bring together different resources and help schools to continue to develop additional curriculum, uh, that helps these athletes out and in, in, in that journey uh, afterwards. So, um, another big area that, that, uh, that we uh, talk about is, uh, is alumni connections. And so, uh, you know, I, I want to talk about it. I guess twofold with you is talk about when you were there and talk about, you know, w- with your boyfriend playing basketball, uh, uh were alumni coming back or, or even, uh, you know, coming back to the schools and, and working with, say, the athletes, but not just like for golf tournaments and things like that, but more so of mentoring or helping that with career services.
2: Yeah. I mean, Again, I dated, I dated him for about two 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 and a half years. I didn't see it. That doesn't mean maybe I wasn't aware of it or didn't even know to look for it. He, I don't remember him talking about that. Um, I think the alumni came back for like the games. <laughs> right. <laughs> hear them on and be there, and represent that way. But um, not that I could remember, recall, or hear him talking about, no.
1: Right. And, and I think like the same thing. I mean, I think times are changing now. I mean, I, I know uh, one, one thing obviously is the culture. I've talked to some athletes where they say a lot of it also depends on the coaching. So there's coaches that want to mentor and help them. Um, and then when there's coaching changes, that kind of, uh, the dynamic shifts a little bit, but I I guess maybe, um, in your, in your dealings today, um, whether it be, you know, with, with your alma mater or, you know, you went on to grad school and and there, are you seeing, um, more of an involvement of trying to get alumni to kind of come back and, and help?
2: Yes. Yes. I think I see, yeah, they're more visible. There's, there's actually even, you know, GAs or graduate assistants who are, you know, graduated from the undergrad, but are now graduate students, right. And coaching, there's that, there's alumni funds, um, for student athletes to use for their, for their particular team or school for different resources, which is cool. so, you know, I think a lot, I'm finding that I've learned that there are a lot of alumni who are creating like NIL platforms or like supporting ones that exist and prioritizing their alma mater. So I think there's there's more and more of it now. For sure.
1: Which, which is great. I think, you know, we definitely recommend it. You know, people need to tap in to their alumni um, and, and work together with them. And, and I guess kind of along the same lines. Maybe give me some thoughts on uh, on networking, connecting, especially as athletes are still playing their sport.
2: No, I think it's essential and important. I mean, my whole thing is that I would love any af- student athlete who's competing to have multiple identities and multiple ways of connecting with people off their team as well. Um, and having that deference and humility that there's something to learn from an alum who's been through what they're going through um and that there's some wisdom that can be gleaned there um so i think i think it's essential um i think the, the biggest barrier and let me know what you think about it is like the time the maturity the perspective to value that um and and that the alumni have to meet the student athletes where they're at and make themselves accessible on the student athletes terms um, I think that would be like a really, really cool way to like bring those kinds of relationships um, to to fruition, really.
1: Yeah, no, I, I agree. I mean, it's it's a two-way street. And I, I think some of it you talk to, I've, I've talked to some agents, and they've talked about how the best time to network and connect is when the athletes are still playing. And a lot mm-hmm. of times you don't see that. And I think it's it, it, the more, you know, guests and, and athletes, I talk to former athletes, it's I think when you're playing... Depending on what level you're at, you're, you're they kind of have a the tunnel vision also. So it's sure. it's you know the athletes have to be willing to accept that, and it might even get into what we talked about too is even down to the high school level of just teaching the importance of networking, connecting, and, you know, whether it's with coaches or friends or parents, you know, at, at that younger age, and then in college. To your point uh, before, is just not not just the athletes, but talking to other people, other classmates who are, you know, once you do get out talking to other alumni in different fields and working together.
2: Yeah. I mean, I think that, um, I did a, you know, I have a podcast as well. And I did an interview with two fifth year senior female Yale collegiate soccer players. And they look back about like what they gleaned from not just alumni, but their upperclassmen who became alumni where they were still there. Um, and the relationships, the importance of relationships. Um, I think the word networking might be a little bit more like distant for a student athlete who's still an undergrad, but like building friendships, a support system, a community. Maybe that's different kind of language. Again, just making sure. it as accessible as possible. And then like giving them opportunities like internship. Like that's a form of networking and mentoring, right? Yeah. Internships. Um, Community service, different things that they can do. NIL on the on the small scale um, that they can give the student athletes opportunities for. It's it's become more competitive now, and they're more selective for better or for worse. Now that NIL is so up, like where they spend their time, how they spend their time. Um, so yeah, it's it's with every relationship, it's a it's a two way street for sure, like you said.
1: Yeah, and and you gave me a great segue <laughs> into talking about NIL and name image likeness. So. Give me your thoughts, uh, both positive and negative, uh, r- related to NIL.
2: Yeah, I mean, I think I'll, I always try to start with the positive. So I think it's an opportunity for athletes to make money on their talent, their name, their image and likeness, and it and, and not be um, misused or um, for the benefit of a school or a higher entity that the athlete who is showing up, working hard, representing their school, um, that they get credit for that. And it may become in the form of scholarship or books or housing as well, not just cold, hard cash. And if they give it cold, hard cash, give some counseling around how to best utilize it. Um, Or if it's trade, like a product, um, having value for that as well doesn't have to be cold, hard cash. so I think the acknowledgement of the athlete is really, really important um, and making it, yeah, like the benefit them there and now as they proceed through their academic experience. Um, I've, I'm finding and hearing that research shows that, that female athletes are benefiting more than male athletes, which is interesting. Um, and that there's, we could dive into like the whole gender difference, which is another fascinating concept and, and discussion. But um, and that the female athletes are more likely to bring the opportunities to their other teammates. So then it becomes like a team deal. Um, I think the negative is that we're, we're professionalizing um, our athletes in sports too young. They don't have the ability or aren't there developmentally to understand the brevity of it or the gravity of it and, and take it for granted it can enforce sort of like this instant gratification kind of mentality. Um, I think when there's anything new that's added to um, an athlete's sort of access to things, there has to be some counseling and education about how to do that in a healthy way um, that benefits them and their families, but that doesn't harm them you know, psychologically or financially from you know an individual aspect.
1: Yeah, and I, I think you, the, the key word there is education, and the, and I talk about it a lot. And I think, especially, um, I mean, a couple facets of, but from a financial literacy standpoint, and it, it's I always say it's not just you know young athletes, it's young people in general. But all of a sudden, potentially to get a windfall of money, and not realizing like, hey, you need to pay taxes on this, and there's different things that you right. need to do. So, I think you know education is definitely important about it. I, I think another byproduct that, that I talk about sometimes too, and it'll be interesting to get your take on it. Um, is uh, social media so obviously a big part of NIL? Kind of ties into social media. Um, give me some thoughts on that because there's obviously there's the positives and negatives of that. But when you start turning into the, your world and from a mental health perspective, um, you know there are some. I guess it, it, you got to manage it the right way. So give me your thoughts and, and give some advice on uh, the right way to manage social media and just some of the things to kind of avoid.
2: For sure. I mean, you get it on the head. It's not managed properly. It can negatively impact your mental health for sure, which includes your self-esteem, your self-image, FOMO, which is a big thing, fear of missing out, um, trying to keep up with it, keeping up with the Joneses, being current, being making sure your content is something people want to look at. It's a lot of pressure. Um, and again, our... Young student athletes don't have that education or sort of coaching on how to best use it. You know, the ones who use it and are and have positive experiences with it are because they have had some coaching about how to leverage it, how to leverage it for, um, you know, using a positive platform, promoting your purpose, things like that. Not just getting the 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 bag, right? <laughs> um, but I think that that um, when student athletes and young people in general look to social media to be validated, to be um, a source of self-esteem, to be a source of a positive self-image, a lot of times they're going to be disappointed because you're competing with the next person who is only showing and posting positive things. And then there's this falsity that that is their lives, that, that only what they show is, is what's going on. No one really rarely posts when something's going bad or had a, had a challenge or, um, which I think is very um, important to actually show that if you're going to use social media, that you can go through adversity and come out the other side more resilient, that, this, that that's part of humanity and part of your growth as a person, um, but it's taken at face value, right? It's like, oh, look at her or look at him and they're doing this. Like, I want to do that and this is what I'm going to do. And some people take dangerous decisions to do that. Like I have an athlete now who's like, I'm, I'm skinny. I'm going to work out. He injured himself trying to get like some guy he saw on social media. Um, or a female athlete, like I want to be like her. My body doesn't look like her. I'm going to not eat for a little bit or I'm going to binge or I'm going to do this. You know, it's, it's all unhealthy. It needs to be sort of governed or like some aspect of oversight when we give our young people access to social media, I mean, on another tip is like, that's, they can access anything. Unhealthy yeah. stuff, X-rated stuff, stuff that's not healthy for the, the developing brain of a young person um, that can be traumatic and harmful. Um, access to images that aren't, are left unprocessed by the young human undeveloped mind. So there, there's, they, and they have it at their fingertips. We didn't have that growing up. No, yeah, no. So it's like, it's, it's, there's, yeah, they have access to so many things that are un, ungoverned, put it that way.
1: Yeah, no, that that's for sure. And, um, you yeah, know, and like you just said, I mean, you got to be very aware of what you're putting out there, too. I mean, I always talk about, you know, telling my kids along the way don't don't put things in writing. And this is this me prior to social media, obviously, where it be what it is today, just be careful what you put out there. But one one thing that was interesting, and, and you might have, you might be coming across this, but maybe it's a new phenomenon. But um, there was somebody talking about how like these athletes, like even star athletes kind of getting bullied on social media. And it's it's an interesting twist because most of the times and maybe just the way it's been the public personas a lot of times it might have been the athlete that would be picking on or being the bully to maybe you know some of these kids that didn't have that skill set. And it's almost like the, the, the table is turned. I'm not saying all the time, but are you coming across that at all?
2: Well, if we take, if we take you know, uh, we're speaking, what's the date today? June 14th, you know, the NFL, not the NFL, sorry, the NBA championships just ended, right? Um, and it brings us to the discussion of Jamal Murray. Like, I mean, he back in 2020, you know, his IG was hacked um basically i mean there's controversy about whether it was hacked or he released it and why he released it of him and his girlfriend in a sexual act right and then there's lots of what do they call it roasting i don't know if they want to call it bullying yet but like roasting about the fact that that was released roasting about parts of his body part you know the hair on his body this and that and like it it's the word is out that they're still together, but they've both kind of like taken a uh, hiatus or like less public presence on social media as a result. Yeah, um, and I would hope to be a fly on a wall as to you know what what conversations those were as to why and how and um, but that and like his p- other athletes um, get on IG live and like other, and like tease him and roast him. Um, yeah. It seems like it's a good. He has a good response to it. I don't know if it's positive, but who knows what goes on inside? Yeah. I'm sure there's a level of shame and embarrassment. I mean, like, his girlfriend, you know, that, that it's not a great light that she was shown in. Um, And, and it's a private moment. Sure. Uh, so that's tough. Um, but that's an example, I think, of, like, how social media, even for the professional athlete, can be used against you or, like, actually give you a, a bad experience of of it
1: right so and, and again i guess like the other things it probably comes down to from an educational standpoint is, is you know maybe when they're younger just teaching at a younger age some of the things i was talking to one person she was just saying how she was at uh, a party after a championship and one of the athletes um you know he was 21 but he he had a drink and you know before he was all across social media she grabbed it uh, just to say because it's just it's all optics uh and you know that's a, a lot of uh you know what what people face on social media so let's talk
2: um uh, I do want to say sure. on that like on, on from a from a human development standpoint a brain development standpoint the characteristic of a young man at that age from 18 to 24 or 25 they have poor impulse control <laughs> they they don't think that they're ever going to get caught doing something bad or wrong that they are just living the life, like I'm free to be me, um, and that there's never going to be a negative consequence. Like that's why, you know, car insurance premiums for that age of, of, of males is the highest of any other gender or um, age group ever because there's that, you know, poor impulse control, immediate gratification thing. I'm never going to get caught type of thinking. And so at that age, social media. Oh, it's just a, it's just a video. It's just an image. doesn't matter. Like, there's not that like sort of perspective of like what the impact can be. Um, so just, just another note there is like makes that population of that, that age group very vulnerable. Um, and that, that, that coaching and education is even more important.
1: Yeah, no, that for sure. Um, so let's, let's talk about, uh, it, again, with the whole idea of the, uh, athletes transitioning out of sports and, especially since um, you know, it's a big part of, um, of what you do in helping athletes and working with them. Uh, give us um, some perspectives on that and maybe some advice to athletes that one, once their time is up, it, there's a long way to go still. And uh, you know, give some of your thoughts and, and how you kind of coach them.
2: I find that, the, that those who have the healthiest, most positive experience transitioning out of their sport have other identities that they've already developed and feel good about and proud of before they leave their sport. Um, That's easier said than done. And the other identities might be, you know, social activist, community service um, activist or involved. Um, I'm a musician. I'm an actor. I create things. I'm an author. Like just different ways that they access different aspects of themselves. Um, Some athletes are like, I I feel like I don't have time for that or, or feel like if I do that, that means I'm less serious about my sport. So we have to like, you know, debunk those myths. And it's not like you're going to commit, like play the violin competitively like you do your sport. No, it's like an outlet. It's a creative outlet. It's, it's a hobby. It's, it's something else you're interested in. Developing your purpose, like defining what really um, makes you happy and brings peace to you um, and exploring those things even dedicating like two hours a month to like make sure that you like try something new. Um, and I think that's important because I think too many times, and this was my experience, that you are a student and an athlete and that's it. And so um, to, to value that these are full, multidimensional human beings um, who happen to be good at some, something on a field um, doesn't mean that's all they are. And that the things that they're learning as an athlete, like we kind of opened up the conversation about, will help in your life after sports. Um, absolutely. And to like be able to have language for like, what are those transferable characteristics and skills that you're going to take into the next chapter of your life um, are are super important.
1: Yeah. And, and it's uh, it's sad because you, you, you talk about the identity and, you know, a lot of times just talking to one guy and just former baseball player, and he just said that he, when he was done, when he finally realized it was over, he was he had that mindset. I'm a baseball player, and what am I without it? And and I got to imagine that that's probably pretty prevalent in athletes. I mean, unless, like you said, there's there's ones that kind of immerse themselves in other things, and they kind of have, you know, that that passion that, and then passion in other projects and things that. And I, I guess that's kind of been somewhat of um, as I've interviewed various. These athletes have had success uh, in transitioning out of sports and what they're doing today, and, and you know, entrepreneurship and leadership, and you know, mental health, and all these other areas. I think they, they seem to have that when they were going to school, where they were thinking of other things,
2: or they can have it later after going through a tough, tough, rough patch. Like one of my podcast episodes is is Reggie Walker, former NFL player, captain linebacker for many, many years. He left when he retired from football, he went into like this three year, like soul searching hell on earth. He'll call it time because he didn't know who he was. He lost everything. And then the reason why he played, he realized was to keep his demons at bay. So when he's not playing these surface, he has to deal with all that. His mental health declines. Um, He was suicidal. Like there's, so many things. He had to grapple with his own trauma history. Um, And now, I mean, he's an author, TEDx speaker, you know, he has some curriculum he's developed. He's an entrepreneur. So there's like, you can still get there. Um, We want to make it less traumatic and less hard and more more of a fluid transition instead of like, I'm done, I'm down and out for for a a good chunk of time. And then then I rise. but everybody's journey is different. Everybody's, you know, way they get to who they are and get back to themselves is different. And it's not a lost lost cause if you don't have other identities. But if you if you can create them now, that would be good. It helps.
1: Yeah, no, de- definitely. It, uh, again, great advice, and um, you know, hopefully that's that's the whole idea is people to be inspired by. it. And you're right. I mean, I've I've talked to some people that were, you know, have that same story where maybe you know, whether a year, two years, three years, and and then just kind of kind of turned it around. So let's, um, let's fast forward to today and, and talk about, uh, again, the head spinning and all the different things you're doing. Let's talk about, um, if you could talk about AF Mindset and some of, um, some of the things that you're doing to help and um, you know, talk a little about your podcast and ultimately how people could find you.
2: No, thank you. I mean, I think, you know, I've been a, a licensed clinical social worker, basically a therapist, psychotherapist, all the same, same terminology. For those who don't know, for over 20 years and, and worked as a, as a helper um, from a psychological standpoint for many years. It inspired by my daughter, who's now a 16-year-old high-level softball player, shifted to work with athletes entirely. She helped me get back with my own athletic identity. It was a traumatic ending that I pushed aside for so long and didn't even want to deal with it. She inspired me to, to, to get some more you know, healing and help around that. And now I work... In sports, um, I work in sports as a uh, in professional sports as a professional in sports psychology. So I'm the mental health performance coach um, for the Oakland Roots Sports Club, first team men's pro team out here in the um, Oakland Bay Area. They compete in the USL, which is a division below the MLS. At this point, they're they're really cool because they're about Oakland. They're social justice oriented, um, very in the ways that they show up um it's not just about winning or or playing um so it, it jives with my values big time um, with the visibility of that work i'm in my third season now um, lots of organizations schools parents individuals will come to me like oh you do that that amazing work with the roots can you do it with me i'm like oh there's one of me um but the need is there and I, I'm one that will try to respond to those needs if, if I can. And so alongside my husband, he is the COO of Ath Mindset, we built this company um, that serves the clinical mental health needs and mental performance needs of athletes, coaches, teams, anybody in the sport ecosystem. Um, so we're really, really excited about it. It's growing. My goal is to have an ath mindset practitioner in every state of our United States. I, ha- I have about 10 states covered right now. So I'm looking forward to it continuing to grow. Um, I was invited to create a podcast. So I've been doing that for about two and a half years um, with Eric Kazimoff at the home of Sports who produces my podcast um, and yours, I believe, as well
1: he's uh, done some he does a great job and thank you eric shout out to you for introducing the two of us
2: <laughs> yes shout out to eric he's a great great person just a, a caring caring, kind human um and good people introduce good people to one another so yeah shout out to you eric um and then in in podcasting which is interesting i got connected with with a person who i interviewed she has an episode uh, in my library. And now she's invited me to co-author a book. Her name is Dr. Tiana Woolridge. And for those of you who might know, she's the daughter of Orlando Woolridge, sure. former NBA player for the LA Lakers and other teams. But she is a doctor. She's a sports medicine doctor. Um, and she's like, hey, yo, like, and a mental health advocate. And so she played um, collegiate volleyball at Princeton. And so we are coming together, bringing our talents and, and having fun creating this book. Um, a workbook on on mental health, athlete mental health, um, on the performance side, the clinical side, educational side. So it's going to be really really cool. It'll be released in a couple months, but it's 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 fun. It's awesome. I like. I mean, you get to meet cool people and do cool things, and like, what's life without that?
1: Uh, absolutely. I, 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 agree. And so, and then even, so with these different states that you're setting up, the different practitioners, so what would they do? It just be a, an outlet for folks to reach out to them or they, or they'd be reaching out to teams. Like how does all that work?
2: That's a great question. That's a great question. As a CEO, I'm, I'm the visionary. That's, that's my job to create relationships, um, nurture relationships, create partnerships with schools, organizations, um, so that my practitioners can be in their craft and do the work. So they're doing therapy for athletes. They're helping teams um, and athletes define their mental game, have to, you know, create team cohesion and bonding and like have a culture, a positive culture um, that then creates a positive experience for the student-athletes or athletes on a professional standpoint or at the high school level to be able to thrive and, and have fun and grow as people while they're doing their sport. Um, so yeah, they are in position to serve, uh, provide the clinical service and or the mental performance consultation service, um, depending on what the needs are of that community or that city.
1: Uh, that's great. And I know I've talked to, talking to other folks in the field as well. I mean, it's such a, it's such a major issue and there's, there's a need for more and more people like yourself to be out there helping because there's only so much to go around. And there's probably, to me, it just seems that, you know, you live it every day, but a lot a lot more issues out there uh, in this space that need to be addressed. And so I'm, I'm great to hear, you know, things that you're doing with your company and just other people that are kind of getting involved in that space. So tell us that now we do this in the show notes, but I like to do the old school. Tell us how we can find you, like some of the different areas on your social media, your website, that kind of stuff.
2: Oh, thanks. I appreciate it. Yeah, my website's ath athmindset.io. So you can learn about my team, some of the things I've done, some of the things I've done with the roots. It's it's. I'm proud of the website. My, my guy who's built it for me has done an amazing job. Um, you can find me on Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. I have uh, those accounts under my name, Lisa Bontasumi, as well as Athmindset as well. Um, and yeah, my podcast, Athlete Mindset on anywhere you listen to your podcast for sure. Um, but yeah, you can and, email and, me. I'll also Lisa at AskMindset.io.
1: And, and soon to be on Amazon as a bestseller, correct?
2: Let's go! Let's <laughs> and back, go! Uh, like
1: that. And again, we'll put all our show notes And I really appreciate the time. You can find us on alumnidirect.com. Uh, be sure to follow us on uh, all types of social media, LinkedIn, Facebook, and Instagram. And follow the show and, and review the show and we want to get more followers out there to, to really help address these issues uh, with athletes transitioning out of sports. I mean, there's so many areas that are involved. Again, we've talked about the mental health side of it, the financial literacy, but let's make a difference and help these athletes out. So thanks again, everybody. And uh, we look forward to seeing you on the next show.
2: Rob, thanks so much. Appreciate you.
1: You're welcome.
0: Athlete Mindset is part of the Source Podcast Network. At Source, we love podcasts. In fact, we love building podcasts, everything from development to production. Because of all that, we're growing this one-of-a-kind podcast network. If you have a podcast or looking to launch a new podcast, then we should talk. You can message me on Twitter at Eric underscore Kaz or hit us up any way that works for you by searching Source on your social media app of choice. Let's talk about your podcast joining this one-of-a-kind podcast network. The Source Podcast Network.